0: What is up, everybody? Happy Sunday night, and it is a much happier night for Bills Mafia after they watched the Buffalo Bills take out the New York Jets 45-17 to in a game that, let's be honest, Ryan Talbot, wasn't ever really that close. You know, the Bills let them hang around for a little bit early on, and there was some frustration after a couple punts early on. But when you take the entire body of work, and we're talking about six of seven in the red zone, 45 points, 350-plus yards for Josh Allen. Stephon Diggs gets back. The running game gets going. The defense, whoa, we got to talk about this defense. A lot to like. Ryan Talbot, how are you, my friend?
1: Hey, doing great, yeah. Pretty dominant performance all the way around. The Tide clearly shifted in that game right around halftime where they scored right before the half, and then they obviously took that first opening possession of the third quarter down for a touchdown. From that point on, it no longer felt like a game.
0: So this is the Shop Buffalo football podcast that comes to you live after every game, home and away. And, you know, who's always up there for you as well? Tops Friendly Market, your, your neighborhood store with more, whether you're celebrating at home or away. Tops has all your fan favorites ready to enjoy for football, entertaining or any occasion. All right, Ryan Talbot, I always I kind of always start us off. I'm going to let you I'm going to tee you up. Here we go. Where do you want to start today? Let's start
1: with the. Two, two stars of the game, in, in my opinion, both of whom have spent most of the year on the inactive list. Let, let's talk a little Matt Breida and F.A. Obata. I was blown away with both of these players today, uh, given their opportunities. You know, you made a good point uh, making a note of Obata and his possibly what we could have seen of him today. We did a Twitter Spaces pregame about an hour before the game started, and you mentioned him a few times in terms of someone to watch, and sure enough, he, he had a huge game for this defensive line, had what should have been two sacks, uh, second one taken off the board because of a penalty by A.J. Epineza uh, after the sack where he kind of came down and made contact with Mike White's helmet, batted Mike White's arm for the first interception of the game that went to Taron Johnson. Then obviously Matt Breida, six touches, two touchdowns, two players that have waited for their opportunity and when given set opportunities, made some pretty big plays, Matt.
0: We've been talking about this all season with this run game. Get somebody involved that can make the most out of limited opportunities. And, you know, Matt Breida, you know, this is a guy that's made a career on this kind of lifestyle in the NFL. Go into every game, even when you get a jersey, knowing that you're going to have to make the most of a handful of touches. He did that in a big way today in the pass game, and the run game. But let's start with Happy Obata. That was something that I think through. Everything for, you know, uh, uh, through Sean McDermott, the Bills, for a loop this morning. Star it was reported that he uh, placed on the reserve COVID list. Uh, he was going to miss this game, so the Bills had to kind of move some pieces around. They, uh, they uh, elevated Brandon Bryant off of the practice squad, eventually didn't activate him. I think that was probably a move just in case, depending on how things looked when they were working out everybody before the game. It ended up being Effie Obata. Boogie Basham got some, uh, got some snaps as well today. But it was really Effie Obata who I think shined. And also, having that kind of production from Obata is huge. I mean, he was more so than the two sacks. And, and, and you know, I, I'm pretty sure if Ed Oliver is looking over at Effie Obata in the post-game, press, or post-game locker room, he's probably like, man, come in here one game, you got two sacks. I've been, I've been this close like 10 or 15 times the last couple games. You know, he, we're going to get to him in a minute. But Obada, you know, set the tone a little bit when he got in early on in the game, he got his, he got after the quarterback. He was applying some pressure. And one of his big plays early on was getting in Mike White's face, hitting his arm. The ball went flying up in the air. Taryn Johnson intercepts it and the turnover party begins. That's Hmm. another thing I said. If you're not following me on Twitter, get there right now. Hit that follow button, hit that like and subscribe button on the shout Buffalo football podcast. We said last week or earlier this week, Mike White, go back and watch him he puts the ball in dangerous spots, especially if you're able to get after him. And today the Bills did that. He put the ball in dangerous spots and the Bills made him pay five turnovers, four interceptions, one forced fumble and fumble recovered by by Micah Hyde. Every defensive back had a turnover today, Ryan.
1: Yeah, the carriage turned back into a pumpkin in terms of Mike White. You know, uh, (laughs) hyped himself up during the week saying he thought he should have been the first overall pick. And, and, you know, I'm sure a little of that was tongue-in-cheek.
0: didn't that have a little bit of Tua viola? the game is just too easy right now, energy oh, Yeah, it?
1: and they came back and bit him a little bit. Yeah, I agree with that completely. And, you know, Mike White, you saw in those first few drives, if the Jets had a penalty, if they had anything go wrong, they weren't going to get past the – they weren't going to be able to move the chains uh, because he kind of dinked and dunked it and – Uh, found themselves in third and long situations multiple times. The Bills were not scared by Mike White at all. When they did get him to stretch the field, he had one or two nice throws mixed in there. But for the most part, they were waiting. They were picking him off. Everyone has a turnover in the starting secondary when all is said and done. So like you said, that turnover party comes. And uh, I guess if anything, the Jets can, can send a thank you to the Bills because now they know there is no quarterback controversy. They can let Zach Wilson develop when they feel he's uh, ready to get back out there as soon as next week and give him all the opportunities the rest of the season. Because Mike White, you know, listen, he might end up being a decent backup in this league, someone that can make a spot start. But there are a lot of serious limitations in his game.
0: Look at this. Elliot Eisler. Oh, nice. I want to agree with you. Look at him. This is this dude, one of our top uh, uh, commenters, uh, always a supporter of the podcast, comes up with a, a new little feature that I think we should do every day. Who was tops today mm. in the game? And I think it's, it, it should go to Matt Breida. With Breida, I've always tried to kind of be realistic with what the expectations should be with him. And, you know, he does add a speed element, but I think it's also important to remember, and I don't want to downplay his game today because six touches, two touchdowns, the plays that he made, I mean, I think they both went for 15 yards, the touchdowns. The one that was the reception from Allen, the other one was the run. We'll get into Spencer Brown in a little bit, who uh, opened up the pretty big hole for him with that pancake block. <laughs> it's pretty special. The Jets aren't that good, Ryan. Like, that's the bottom line of this. They're giving up 408 yards a game coming into this week. They're giving up 32 points a game this season coming into this week, and it was more of the same. 489 yards, 45 points. The Bills got right in a big way. But what I think they found, listen, I'll be a little bit critical, and Sean McDermott said that Brian Dable called a great game today, and I do agree. I I thought that he adjusted. He came out. He was hitting on some, some things in the first two drives. Then things kind of went off, uh, you know, a little bit. And I think part of that is the mistakes, Ryan, that the penalty yes. on the bootleg. Who knows if that, if that goes well and they continue to move the ball down the field and convert and score, maybe they just keep on going and the train keeps moving along, but they didn't. And there was some sloppiness and they were off track, but I thought that they recovered before halftime. Stefan Diggs stepped up and said, give me the ball. Let me make some plays, which over the course of his career here is when, you know, that's kind of become his calling card a little bit, but. You know, you you look at the way that they use this group. My one kind of you know suggestion would be to when you find a combination that's working, like it was early on in this game with Brita and and Brita and Singletary, ride that hot hand. You know, they came in and they brought in Zach Moss, and I thought nothing against Zach Moss. I think that he had a couple good runs today, and I think that he's had a couple good games this year, but just. You know, you've struggled so much in the run game when when you're getting some energy from a guy like Matt Breida, go with what's working.
1: No, I think that's a, a great point. We talked about it leading up to the week. We thought that maybe this would be the game that Devin Singletary saw the bulk of the carries uh, didn't end up being that way. I believe Moss and, and Singletary both ended up with about seven carries. Uh, and then obviously Breed only had three. So we, we didn't necessarily see that that one player get the bulk of the carries. We, we saw it spread around. But I agree, you know, Moss, he did score a touchdown late in the game. Uh, early on, though, he hit some walls. He lost his helmet a few times. Uh, it just wasn't there for him. So, yeah, give Breida more opportunities. It allowed you to kind of stretch the defense out a little bit, too. They kind of respected uh, him being able to turn on the Jets and run to the outside a little bit. They respected the speed after him uh, after seeing him get that passing reception touchdown. So he, he adds a different element. So I, I do agree. You had Moss coming off the concussion. Yes, he was cleared. Uh, but you had every reason to kind of limit his play this week and, and let those guys be the hot hands, so to speak. Brian Dable, I thought, was outstanding. You already mentioned it. Uh, Deion Dawkins gets called for the holding penalty uh, on the drive where the Bills were moving the ball. They were up 10 nothing. It was their third drive. And, you know, if, if we don't just want to put all the blame on Dawkins, you could also put a little bit of the blame on Singletary. He caught a ball in second down that he kind of danced around with instead of just going forward. If he had just run forward with the ball, they move the chains. Instead, he gets six of the seven yards, and then uh, the, the penalty happens on the next play. So it, it wasn't perfect. They made some little mistakes, but Brian Dable, to his credit, outstanding game.
0: Trayvon Diggs with another interception today. That dude is just taking over the league eight on the season, but I wanted to shift gears here for a minute. I will say before we move on from the run game, um, we talked so much about the run game this year, this week, you know, almost ad nauseum. We don't have to spend too much time on it. It was fine today. It was a complimentary piece to the passing game. Devin Singletary, Matt Breida, and they know it. Sean McDermott mentioned it. They got to hang on to the football. Mm -hmm. I mean, two fumbles in this game. And I think you could track back Devin Singletary's drop off in, in, in carry load, you know, after the first four games, you know, he had four fumbles in the first four games. And when you're, when you're putting the ball on the ground like that, you know, you're, you're, you're talking about a trust factor with this coaching staff where, you know, they lose it and they lose it quickly. And Matt Breida, like you mentioned, didn't carry it much today. I only had a handful of carries, two or three. One of them was a fumble. You can't do that. But let's shift gears to the defensive side of the ball because we were talking about what they were able to do in frustrating Mike White. You're putting up a story on Jordan Poyer here shortly after we're done. He had a funny little quote today uh, in the post-game press conference. But he's now at four interceptions on the season, which brings him into a tie. For third in the NFL behind Trayvon Diggs, who's now with eight and who's probably going to win defensive player of the year at this point. JC Jackson's got five. Kevin Baird from uh, Tennessee's got five. And then Logan Wilson, Xavier McKinney, and now Jordan Poyer with four. Jordan Poyer, I mean, we're sitting here right now. And if this guy doesn't get all pro consideration, I I don't know what this, I don't know what this league's doing because he's, he's all over the field. And one of the things I think that they did today was like, okay, you want to dink and dunk, Mike White. We first of all, we're gonna think you're gonna make mistakes. But second of all, when you do get the ball out quickly and you do get the ball in playmakers' hands, we're gonna to fly to the ball. And I believe, let me check out the stats here. Jordan Poyer, ten tackles, one quarterback hit, interceptions, and two pass breakups. We're talking about an elite MVP type, you know, performance, you know, team MVP on this day defensively. You could have given it to a lot of people today
1: yeah you you absolutely could, but Jordan Poyer real fast you know I, I think that a, a few of the years that he's been here in Buffalo, you could have at least made the case for pro Bowl for him. he's He's played at a high level from year one. Uh, obviously the year that Hyde and Poyer came in, Hyde was the major acquisition in terms of the salary that he was paid uh one of the, one of Buffalo's first targets, but Poyer was under the radar it was like four years 13 million. But from his first start to now, he's been nothing but great for this defense in this unit. So, yeah, all pro consideration should absolutely be a, a lock for the Pro Bowl. Last year, he was like first in fan voting and he still didn't end up getting in because of the the votes from the, you know, the league. Uh, I think he's kind of putting the league on notice with his play this year and he, he was outstanding. It's it, like you said, though. Uh, just about everyone on this defense played a pretty great game today. You could go to the linebackers and talk AJ Klein, who uh, I thought had had an outstanding game in, in place of Tremaine Edmonds. Matt Milano looked more aggressive. Uh, it's been a few weeks since he's you know since we've seen that from him. I thought he's kind of had some ho hum, quiet games as of late. And then across the defensive line as well. But yeah, Jordan Poyer and that secondary were the defensive MVPs of this game.
0: Yeah, let's get an AJ Klein a little bit while we're here. You know, we could spend some time in the defense. I also want to get to the D-line and talk a little bit about Ed Oliver because, you know, he was really good today. Klein, I've seen some comments online and, like, I get it, man. People get really, like, hyped up for, you know, game and, you know, overreactions in game are always super common. But, like, let's, let's put to bed the, uh, let's, you know, bench Tremaine Edmonds for AJ Klein narrative. I don't want to downplay how good A.J. Klein's been in spots over the last two years. I, I wrote it in my in my post game story that like this, this superstar mode was engaged once again for A.J. Klein. He looked like he was you know in the mix as the one of the best players in the field when he was out there. He was flying around. He made tackles. He had pass breakups. He almost had an interception. He had tackles for a loss. He was flying into the backfield. He was making a couple of those splash plays, tackle plays, that you almost want to see Tremaine Edmonds make or fans want to see him make. And I feel like over the last couple of weeks, we've seen some of those plays from Tremaine Edmonds. The thing with that, I think I've, I've, I've thought about it a little bit over the last hours So that I've been reading a lot of this. I think that Tremaine plays so smooth, a style of football. It's very different than the violent, like hair on fire brand that Milano and AJ Klein play. And so when you don't see, when you see them do that and you see, and, and you don't see Tremaine do it. And then maybe you see Tremaine give up a, you know, a running back screen or something where a guy goes scooting around the edge, gets a, a big gainer, you know you overreact to that one play I think Tremaine Edmonds has been really good this year I think that they would, over time they would miss him if he's not in the lineup I just I, I I don't have a problem with anybody wishing that you can get AJ Klein on the field more because I think what we've seen in a sample size large enough now he warrants playing time the problem is he's just on the best defense in the NFL and the depth chart is absolutely packed to the gills
1: yeah and they generally use just two linebackers on the field and if they're both healthy you're not going to pull Edmonds. You're not taking off Taron Johnson, who's no, arguably the best co- slot corner in the league. Agreed, completely. Listen, I think sometimes fans too are more critical of Edmonds because of where he was drafted. Some of the linebackers were that were in that draft class, where some of those players are maybe, and they compare him to or them to Edmonds, right or wrong. Edmonds has made a lot of plays this year, but I think when you watch this game and you see in the first drive, Klein gets his hands on a ball, and almost intercepts it. He shoots the gap on a run play and stops the back for a loss of two. It's easy to sit there and say, "Well, here's a guy that, uh, you know, since that Seahawks game last year, has kind of been playing with his hair on fire, playing a great brand of football." But it's really limited reps, and it's in games where they maybe they haven't played the best competition here and there uh, for some of those bigger plays. Now mind you, Seattle last year was that was an impressive one. That was an impressive performance. Don't get me wrong, but Edmonds does a lot. Of the same things that klein does but he's more athletic and he's a little bit better in coverage they utilize klein a little bit differently too when he's out there they're a little bit more aggressive with him in terms of uh going after the running backs going after the quarterback because they know he's limited in terms of coverage where you, you have a, a little bit more in terms of what you can do with Edmonds because of that athleticism because of that wingspan because of that talent so even though he was playing in Edmonds' spot today they, they still utilized him a, a little bit differently than they would have used Tremaine throughout those four quarters, in my opinion. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast, hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot.
0: From hot-to-go pizza and appetizers, signature fried chicken, baby back ribs and subs, to delicious salads and brownie trays, Tops has everything you need to feed the hungriest fan, and I know Bills fans are probably hungry for some more football here. They probably want to fast forward the week to get to that Colts game. And the Colts game, whew, I mean, that's going to take on a very interesting lead up in terms of what the Colts do well, smash mouth, run, run the football, Jonathan Taylor against what the Bills do defensively, which, you know, with Starla Tulele's status uncertain, if he's unvaccinated, which we don't know for sure. And he tested positive for COVID and you can kind of glean that from what Sean McDermott said today. It's not, Hasn't been reported that he actually had COVID. You know, you could go on the COVID list and, and be a close contact, but my, my most educated guess is that he did get COVID based on Sean's comments. We'll try to get clarification tomorrow, which means if he's unvaccinated, it's going to be a 10 day window where he will not play next week. And, you know, I thought this interior defensive line played good today and it was led by Ed Oliver, who all of a sudden, Ryan, like, can you think of another guy? Who the narrative flips so fast on? Maybe AJ Klein's a great example of <laughs> yeah, last year. Last year, you know. But as we sit here right now, I mean, we've gone from Ed Oliver, Bus City in September to the end of October into November, where people are starting to think that he's a superstar. I mean, that's the vibe I'm getting from fans.
1: No, and and I agree. I, over the last few weeks, he's made countless plays. He's made big plays in key moments. Uh, but today, though, it's funny because if you look at the stat sheet, it shows one tackle. But he, he was so much better than that. He had a play right before halftime that was initially ruled a uh, sack force fumble that the Bills recovered and the Mar- Mario Addison specifically recovered. Uh, it was eventually overturned. He was in Mike White's face numerous times. He has really taken, uh, taken that next step, what we've wanted to see. And, and it's huge because going into this season, we talked about two players taking the next step in this year. And that was at Oliver and Dawson Knox, and we've we've seen it from both of them in terms of them ascending and taking on those roles and playing up to their draft status, especially in the case of Oliver, our first round pick. But Oliver is making enough splash plays per week that it obviously is helping this defense. It's putting them in scenarios where it gets the defense off the field. It creates turnovers, whatever the case may be. But he was once again a big time impact player, despite it not necessarily showing up on the stat sheet.
0: Another thing on the Star Latulele front that I was just thinking about and somebody mentioned, like, it could be, depending on how things go, the 10 day window could impact the Thanksgiving day game. And Mm -hmm. I think where he might be available by then, you know, maybe that Thursday, if he has negative tests, you have to start really wondering about if he's unvaccinated, what are the impacts going to be on his body? How does he handle it? You know, he was very concerned about the, about the virus last year opting out. And maybe there was health concerns there. And if he doesn't have a good reaction with getting uh, COVID-19, if, if that is the case, if he has it, then you start to, you know, you think back to the Deion Dawkins situation and what he went through. I mean, this could really derail his season and you don't want to talk worst case scenario. You don't know where things are going to be, um, but it's just something to think about as you kind of, you know, start to look ahead to the next couple of weeks. Uh, let's move to the offensive side of the ball. Some some really stand out performances today and we you know, we we started with Brita. I want to get into digs and Josh Allen but let's start with um Spencer Brown we were talking about who who's more important to the offense you know Dawson Knox or Spencer Brown and I I think that maybe what we're realizing is they're they're kind of equally in a bucket of importance and I and I think what it does is like Sean McDermott said about Knox tonight it's like he completes our offense right and I think like if you miss any one of these pieces you know, that, that give you the 11 that they ran out there today. Man, it's John Feliciano. I think you want to get him in there for Ike Butker to have the, you know, ideal lineup out there. Although I, I thought Ike Butker played a lot better today. I think that if you were missing any one of these pieces, then you, you, you have an incomplete offense in a lot of ways, right? So I think Dawson Knox added him back. It completes the, the offense and that defenses have to plan against him, you know, and, and, you know, he had one catch today. He almost had the touchdown where he kind of dropped him and then just got folded on that weird tackle where he was the CJ Mosley penalty, uh, you know, really seemed like a dirty hit there. But you look at Spencer Brown and not only like what he brings from an energy perspective, which is great. They need that, right? Like Mitch Morse had a funny quote today. He said, you know, he's just, he's full of youthful vigor. And it's, and it is, it's like that energy. It's that like, you know, that, that young, uh, you know, football guy, uh, real, like, you know, we've seen the videos in preseason when he was dancing and celebrating and, you know, he's a good football player too. I mean, he made some really good blocks today, but what he brings is the ability to give you your most efficient and your, your most successful offensive line grouping. And I thought this group played together today. I thought Darrell Williams looked the best that he has all season. I noticed them on several occasions where, you know, he kind of came off script and, you know, he was dealing with a block on one side and he kind of came off of that block and, and saved a sack for Josh Allen, who was pressured much less today. I'm going to be interested to see what those numbers when they come out. I think he was hit five times sacked twice. It was four and eight last week. So, you know, definitely some improvements. And I think Spencer Brown gives you that.
1: Yeah, you said it well. Listen, no Spencer Brown, no Dawson Knox. It's like missing two key ingredients in some kind of recipe. It it doesn't taste the same. It doesn't come out the same. When you have both of those guys back, it's huge for this team. Spencer Brown on Matt Breida's touchdown run. I mean, that right there, you, you could pinpoint that play as to what Spencer Brown means to this team. He just cleared a huge path for Breida on that play where he laid out one of the Jets defenders, and he, he was outstanding all day. I, I noted it in the um, encouraged, worried about how much better that right side of the line looked with Brown in there, and you, you're you're able to kick Darryl Williams inside. You can run a lot of those plays at the right and, and have confidence that he's going to going to pick up his assignment, and you're going to get the same out of Williams and obviously Morris at center. So it, it, it was huge for him in his play today, and it, it wasn't just the play. Like you said, it's the youthful, vigor, It's the fact that he kind of fires up that line, something that we've seen from John Feliciano time and time again. So when you don't have a Feliciano out there for the short term, it's important to have a young guy like that who brings up the energy level. Uh, You're right, though. Butker played better. Uh, Deion Dawkins minus the one penalty played well, and you did get to see his importance uh, when he was out for a play and you brought in the rookie, and the the Bills immediately gave up a, a sack on the play. So. You know, this whole line, it's important that they're together, that they're working together, especially the two tackles at the, at the end. And then with Knox, first drive of the game, he, he's wide open. He takes it for 17 yards. He did have a uh, touchdown go right through his hands. So he, he get it, didn't miss that opportunity, but, you know, he was hit after the play. He gave the Bills half the distance to the goal, and I think it was, that was the drive that Moss scored on the next play. Uh, regardless, he, he had a nice little game, too. And he opened things up for the rest of this offense, like a Stefan Diggs who just absolutely exploded today.
0: It's interesting that you start to look around the AFC now and think about you know what this all looks like. You got two teams in the AFC East that I think are potentially the class of the of the league. I mean, the New England Patriots now all of a sudden are looking like they're legit. Like this isn't like a this isn't like a team that you know I, I know they have four losses. But they're a team that I think is going to push the Bills all the way down the stretch. We talked about this in the offseason. When those two December games were put on the schedule, I said, watch out. If Mac Jones is even an average quarterback with the way that this defense plays, that I think that it could play, they were going to be a problem. And you see them go and, and absolutely demoralize the Cleveland Browns franchise. I mean, they're searching for answers there today. You want to talk about what do we really learn about, about this team today based on a Jets team that just might stink. And I do think they stink, right? But they are a team three weeks ago that beat the, the Cincinnati Bengals, who everybody remember after that game, Ryan, when they beat the Ravens, everybody was talking about the Cincinnati Bengals as maybe them being the best team in the AFC, at least for a couple of days, you know. So that's how quick the tides change in the AFC this season. You know, Tennessee sneaks out with a win today. There was a kind of a controversial call on that one. They beat New Orleans. So they've, you know, they're they're sitting pretty right now. But you know, and I, I think that they have the probably the fast track to the one seed. But you know, the Bills I think we learned that you've got to win these games the way that the Bills won them today. Won it today. It was never in doubt. They absolutely smacked them. And, and that's what I think you want from a game like this.
1: Yeah. Listen, it's a any given Sunday. Uh, you saw the Tampa Bay Buccaneers lose today to a Washington football team that you saw the Bills absolutely throttle. Brady had a terrible game. Good teams lose bad games. I know someone in the comments earlier said, well, uh, the Bills lost to a bad team last week in Jacksonville. Jacksonville gave India a fight today. That game went down to the end as well. You just never know how teams are going to match up with one another. <laughs> Overall, any given Sunday. So a, a game against us like the Jets where you absolutely put the team away and you blow them out, there's nothing wrong with that. That's a good thing. You saw the offensive line improve. You saw the run game improve. Uh, four touchdowns, including Isaiah McKenzie's touchdown run. So a, a lot of really good things that you can take out of this game. You can look at the defense still playing at an extremely high level, the secondary with all those turnovers. It's, it's a week-to-week league, and you're going up against a, a Colts team that they're better than their record indicates. There's no doubt about it. They're going to have to slow down Jonathan Taylor. They're going to get some challenges in that matchup, but the, the Bills have a lot of really good things that they can take out of this game. And maybe the biggest thing that you can take out of it is, despite a, a few of the players kind of getting nicked up at times, None of the injuries seem too serious. Dawkins came back. Hyde came back. Isaiah McKenzie was back out there. So if this team keeps progressing and they stay healthy, that in itself is huge going forward let's talk about Isaiah McKenzie here for a minute,
0: because I think we got to give this dude some love his snap count. I'll be interested to see what the final number was, but it seemed like he was out there for about on par with what he was a week ago, which was just shy of 20 snaps offensively. You know, the bills have been kind of trying to save him for the special team stuff. But I think what we've learned now over the course of the season is like, he's a pretty big piece of what they do offensively from a, Pre snap perspective, when the ball's in his hands, he makes plays. You saw it today. He had four touches, I believe it was three touches, a catch and two rushes. And he has the touchdown. He made a couple of big plays. He had the huge punt return that set up um, you know, the Bills in great field position. And I think that was, you know, that was almost like the turning point for this offense because they got great, you know, field position and then you know, they spoiled it on that play, if I if I'm remembering correctly. Those are the things that this offense can't spoil they really took that into you know took it to heart and responded, which is good couple things on this offense though did you notice today, Ryan? They went very, very high uptick in tackle eligible plays mm-hmm. Ryan Bates. Tommy Doyle, even I, I just off the top of my head, there were at least eight occasions where they brought in a tackle eligible. They didn't even run out of it. Most, most of the time they have one good run, one good Devin Singletary run. I think he went for 15 yards, but they, I think that that kind of played into what Sean McDermott was talking about. Like, okay, we haven't been great in the running game blocking. Let's bring in another guy. Let's bring in Reggie Gilliam. Let's go to a 21 personnel, two running backs, one tight end, and we're just going to try to out physical you. And now if you can't out physical the jets, you're in big trouble because I think they have one of the worst fronts in the league, Sands, Quinn, and Williams. But I, I thought at least from a confidence perspective, they did that today. And I thought that was a good move by Brian Dable to kind of get some more big packages and, and attack them that way.
1: I thought the bills kind of went back to the wall on a lot of things that worked for them last year, such as the tackle eligible plays and having some success there, getting Isaiah McKenzie involved out of the backfield, giving him those end, the end around for the touchdown, Getting the run game a little bit more involved, getting creative with that. Uh, there's a few other things, and now I'm kind of blanking on them. But th- th- there yeah, were, by the way, of- on
0: this, yeah, Doyle doesn't need to be in there for regular plays. I'm just talking yeah. about as a six blocker. <laughs> He's not ready for consistent plays because he did. He did get absolutely crushed on that play, and Absolutely Allen got sacked.
1: Yeah, but uh, you saw them go back to things that worked, getting Gabriel Davis more involved in this offense and giving him more opportunities, something that worked last year, seven touchdowns as a rookie. All he did was catch all three of his targets for 105 yards. So, you know, little things like that. You, you didn't see Beasley have a huge role in the game or Emmanuel Sanders, uh, but both of them caught all of their targets. They spread the ball around well. They brought some players in that maybe weren't being utilized as much, and it worked with great success. So take some positives from this game. See what you think is going to work against the Colts, what's going to work on Thanksgiving. And kind of go from there on, on a game-by-game basis because the AFC is still wide open. Yes, the Titans keep finding ways to win, uh, so maybe they will they will end up with that one seed. But the Bills are in a good spot to, to get that two seed. Uh, they do have the Patriots right on them. Patriots, like you said, dismantled the Browns today, embarrassed them, made Baker Mayfield look terrible. I know that he left at one point with an injury, but that defense is for real. Mac Jones is getting more confidence. Uh their their young running back performed really well in the game too. So the the Bills are gonna have their hands full with the Patriots this year. It's not probably going to be um necessarily like that second game where they absolutely embarrassed New England and, and ran away with it. I think they're gonna be in for some dogfights. So the Bills have to keep taking care of their own business first and foremost.
0: So we're going to close the show out with, you know, the Josh Allen and Stefan Diggs show was back today in a big way. Allen finishes 21 and 28, 75% completion percentage, 366 yards, 13.1 yards per attempt. He was sacked only two times, two touchdowns, and the one interception, which was a bad throw. He was trying to force it into Stefan Diggs, but that's okay because I like the fact that they were forcing it to Stefan Diggs today. I almost felt like – This was a week too late. I think that last week they needed to try to get Stephon Diggs involved earlier than the fourth quarter. He finishes with 13 targets, a game high, 162 yards. He goes for 20.3 per catch, a touchdown in that 57-yarder, which was super pretty.
1: Yeah, listen. Like you said, when when Allen threw that interception, which a lot of fans were on me saying it was actually incomplete. Well, listen, they ruled the interception; it wasn't overturned, so it's an interception. They were up thirty-five points at that point. So if you want to try uh, a dangerous pass there, by all means, do it. You're already running away with the game; get a little risky with the ball. Make take those chances. I'm okay with that any day of the week. But that the chemistry was on, and the Jets. Listen, they were giving. Stephon Diggs, one-on-one coverage all game. They weren't putting that help over. And that's on them, and they never fixed that issue. So if you're going to give the Bills that matchup, it's no surprise that they kept going back to that well over and over and over again, and it worked with such great success. So next week, the Colts are probably going to play them a lot differently, and the Bills might have to go to other players, and that's okay. But for this week, it worked out really, really well, and the Bills took advantage of the matchup and the opportunities that were uh, thrown their way.
0: I just like the, you know, getting that to happen even against a bad Jets team, I think is is a good thing for this offense and it gets them back into a lot of what they were doing successfully a year ago and I think it's probably like to your point going to open some other things up moving forward and I think Diggs's success today kind of opened things up for the guy that took advantage of that a lot last year. That's, you know, Gabriel Davis who finishes with three catches, 105 yards, 35 yards per catch. He had that one wizard like catch on the mm. sideline which was absol- absolutely crazy. Yeah, it was it was a really good day for this offense. Uh, Charles G- Charles G says uh, can we can we shout out uh Davis Webb who gets his first NFL snap against his former team the Jets. Uh he played for them for one season. He was drafted by the Giants, 17, played for the Jets in 18 and then 19, 20 and now 2021. 20, He's been in in Buffalo and and it's crazy cuz people sometimes don't even realize because he was a third round draft pick that he still never played a single snap in the NFL. He was behind Eli in in New York. And then when they moved on, they went in a different direction. He was behind Sam Darnold, right in, in New York uh, in, in 18. And then he came to be behind Josh Allen in Buffalo. So not a lot of opportunities to play, but he gets in there today.
1: Yeah. and, And that's always a nice feel good story. And by the time he was in there, you knew his role is essentially just turn around and hand the ball off. And there's nothing wrong with that. That means that, uh, generally you're up big in those scenarios obviously it can work the other way too but it, it had to be a feel-good moment for him to see some regular action and, and for it to be against one of the teams that he had previously played for
0: all right it was a fun time for all Buffalo Bills players and fans inside MetLife Stadium uh, it was a lot of blue in the stands today as usual on the road and if you're hosting a party next week, I know it's a home game, but check out Tops's huge selection of party platters for a delicious, effortless, and affordable, no-stress way to impress. For complete details, stop by their carryout cafe or visit topsmarkets.com slash foodball Hit that like button on this video right now. We appreciate you hanging out with us on this Sunday night here. The Buffalo Bills are now at 6-3. and three. Hit that subscribe button. Every time we go live, you will get a notification. We'll be back next week. We'll have more coverage as we lead up to the Buffalo Bills at home against the Indianapolis Colts. For Ryan Talbot, I'm Matt Perino. See you soon.
1: Shout, a Buffalo football podcast hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot.